Welcome back to Obstacles Under the Surface. I am your host, Katie Wenger, and today we are talking about the five truths of healing from narcissistic abuse. We have a special guest, Michelle, who you can find on Instagram and on TikTok at Michelle Secret One. She is a coach encouraging and motivating survivors of narcissistic abuse to thrive post-abuse. Join us. Hi, I am here with Michelle, who is a coach that works with individuals who are healing from an abusive relationship, an abusive relationship with a narcissist. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks for having me, Katie. Yes, thank you for being here. I wanted great. I wanted to start with your five truths for healing from a narcissist, which I think is the most important information for people to start with when they're going through this. Would you mind going through that? Absolutely, I would love to. Um, so I I speak a lot about truth as I talk about recovery from narcissistic abuse because um, much of the relationship, uh, all of the relationship, we are not living in our truth. We are living in the um, false narrative of the narcissist um, and truth discovery is very important. So I created um, my five truths of what I, when I overcame uh, my healing. Um, So number one is that it's got to be all about you. Your truth has to be all about you. It can't be about the narcissist anymore. Um, We lost ourselves in this person. We consumed ourselves with worrying about them and what were they doing and how were they feeling and what was and was it our fault and what did I do? And the thing is that we go into this relationship to get validated and the narcissist goes into this relationship to completely invalidate everything about us. So it's very important that we take back our own process of validating our experience according to our perception of what we know occurred instead of um, because we've succumbed to the narcissist gaslighting um, so much throughout the process of the relationship. Um, number two, I like to call it sit in your shit. Um, and what I mean by that is, is that we have to sit in our difficult emotions and feelings that occur when we're going through the recovery process of narcissistic abuse, which also comes along with a trauma bond. Um, a trauma bond is a toxic addictive cycle from reinf- um, intermittent reinforcement um, reward punishment system that the narcissist uh, does to their victims, um, which causes us to have a high level of an addiction or an addiction to a high level of dopamine and serotonin. And so it's very painful to withdraw from a narcissist. One of the reasons I learned about sitting in my emotions and feelings was so important was because I was a codependent. Um, I am a codependent in recovery and codependents tend to end up with narcissists. 
Um, we put the needs and feelings of other people before ourselves, and we do a really good job of suppressing our feelings and emotions um, just to um, make it right. So if I'm feeling bad about myself, I can go to the narcissist and the correct anything that's happening with the narcissist and focusing on the narcissist, making sure they're good, then I feel better. But all along, I've never learned how the narcissist behavior actually has made me feel um, and how this abuse has made me feel. So and all of this must sound crazy to someone who hasn't been in this situation. And for those who have, like, it's just even hard to conceptualize that this happens. But it's so important to talk about it and recognize it because people really suffer through this. Absolutely. We suffer through it and you know, we're really hard on ourselves. And what I tell people is, is that, um, you know, we didn't know because this is, this is something we ought, what we defined as love from childhood, we grew into. And so many of our behaviors of what we grew into from childhood existed with us. It, it blended with our true self into adulthood. So then we get into this relationship and we, it, you know, we compartmentalize, we normalize, we rationalize. Cognitive dissonance does a really good job of keeping our brain comfortable and keeping us there. And, um, you know, there are very intelligent people. Um, they're good people, smart people. Um, successful people, you know, I have clients that are therapists, psychologists that have been in relationships with narcissists. Yeah. And I want to jump in real quick again there too, because I think that's one of the mis misconceptions is that no one is immune to this and no one knows what they're going into. It's not that, you know, that, they are susceptible to this. It's that a narcissist can really pick anyone to do this to, and they use people. You know, it's it's sad. I think one of the saddest parts to me is when I hear people saying, "Oh, well, they should have seen this coming," or they should have been able to tell that you know this wasn't a healthy person. No, that's what they're very good at, right? Uh, yeah, they're very good at disguising that in the beginning. Um, and, you know, Dana Morningstar wrote a book called The Narcissist Playbook, and she starts the book in the beginning, and she, she uses a really good example of um, why people didn't see it, and she uses the tsunami in Thailand. Um, and she says, you know, people stood there and they recorded this wave coming in, and, you know, nobody was running for the hills. Nobody was running. Everybody was just kind of standing there. And she said, it's, it's very symbolic to what happens in a narcissistically abusive relationship is that the reason people just stood there and recorded and didn't run is because they never imagined that they would be in a tsunami. And once they were in the tsunami, they didn't know, they didn't know what it was happening. Um, and I think that's very indicative to what happens in narcissistic abuse. None of us think we're going to be in it. And when we're in it, we don't realize it's happening and we don't know what to do. Yeah, that's a great way to compare it for people to understand. I think that is a, gr 
you know, a wonderful comparison, very visual for people to understand the feeling and the mindset and what's going on cognitively during that time for the individual that is getting sucked into a relationship with a narcissist. So thank you for that. But I, I did interrupt you in the middle of your five truths. So I want to make sure that you have time to go back to that too, Michelle, that um, I think you were on number three. Absolutely. So number three is um, that you have to learn not to take it personal. Um, the narcissist was a narcissist before you ever met them. The narcissist will uh, continue to be a narcissist after that. Um, you know, a huge lesson for me was thinking that everyone had the same perception and, as I did. And I've learned throughout my healing process that there's many, 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 we all have our own individual perception, right? But learning that people like narcissists exist. And the biggest thing is, is that when someone does something um, like a narcissist, when everything that the narcissist does, does because of them. Everything is because of them, for them, to them. People are objects to be used to help them complete their narrative so that they can create this image for the world to be seen as perfect. So, so it, it could have been anybody in that, in the moment. Um, so they do this with everybody. This is the cycle that they repeat. Um, and yeah, they, you know, they don't have empathy. They don't have love for us. They don't look at us the same that we look, look at people. And I always say, just like we don't realize, we can't understand how someone like a narcissist exists. Narcissists don't understand how people like us exist. Um, and so we're just speaking two different languages. So the first thing we really need to know is not to take it personal. This was never about you, even though that it, it feels very much about you. Um, number four is that you're in there. The person, the wonderful, amazing person that you were before the narcissist came into your life and slowly tried to destroy every part of your personality, your character, you, you know, your inner core self, you're in there still. It may not feel like it, um, but you're going to come back. You're going to come back stronger than ever before because this level of abuse, suffering through it and being so resilient every day, coming up, you know, hoping for a different day, hoping for a different outcome. Um, we really are very resilient people and we do come back to who we were before only with a lot more lessons, a lot more growth, you know, maybe a little less for me. I'm less naive. Um, you know, I'm less trustworthy. I've learned, you know, I have a different perception of love. So there's things about me that I've, I've learned. Um, but the core of who I am, the wonderful, amazing woman that I was before the narcissist met me, of course, actually everything about me that he loved still exists. He was not able to, um, extract those things from me. Absolutely. Um, yeah. That's very important. And then number five is that we can't rush healing. You know, every day I hear, I just wish it would be over already. Um, but the thing is, is that the magic happens in the healing. 
Um, I'm 19 months post uh, a narcissistically abusive relationship and who I am today. I'm grateful for these last nine months with all of the lessons that I've learned. You know, we can't go under it. We can't go over it. We have to go through it because when we when we suppress everything, when we don't deal with everything, that trauma from that relationship is going to continue to exist in our body. So through every day that we go through our healing experience, it's an aha moment. It's a realization. It's a lesson. Um, so really, it does take time to heal. Wow. And does it get easier, Michelle? Absolutely. Um, the hardest time is the first, you know, I would say three to six months of withdrawing from the trauma bond, from the toxic abusive cycle. Um, and then after that, you know, it's like a roller coaster. And then I would say, you know, in general, my, what my experience has been from working with so many clients is it takes up, it takes from one to two years, depending on the time that it's been that you were with a narcissistic person to recover and heal. And what I always tell everybody is when they're having a hard time staying no contact or they, they want to go back to the narcissist, I always tell them, if you've gone five days no contact, if you go back to the narcissist today, you're setting yourself up backwards five days from something that's going to take you one to two years to achieve. Oh my goodness. And, and that helps you understand why it's so important to maintain that no contact. Absolutely. So did we get to all five? I just yep, want to make sure yep. before yep, I, was... awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Before I move on to any other questions, because the questions are just flooding to me, of course, <laughs> I want to ask you and I'm, I'm guessing that your clients come to you when they've been discarded. Is that correct? And why does that, why do they, why is that done? Why are they discarded? Um, discarding is a um, high percentage of my clients. Um, you know, some come because they've seen a video and they go, oh my gosh, the person I was with, I'm with, I think is a narcissist or, oh my gosh, it's been taking me six months to get through this break breakup. I think I'm suffering through a trauma bond um, okay. um, and or how do I leave? But yes, discard is a high percentage. And the reason the narcissist discards a person is because a narcissist exploits people, right? We are objects to be used to give them self-worth, self-esteem, um, identity. Without another person, a narcissist is a void of darkness, of feeling worthless and full of shame and unlovable. And the only way that they can avoid living in that space is through this image, this facade that they've created, and it needs to be believed by other people. It doesn't exist without other people, and they need a main source of supply, a person, to fuel that facade into existence. So they meet you, and when they meet you, you are a perfect reflection of themselves. How you're looking at them, the interaction, 
what you're projecting into them, they're eating it up and they're becoming everything you ever wanted them to be because you are making them feel really good. That facade right there is in existence to them and you're giving it to them. And over time, as the relationship progresses, you may see a flaw in the narcissist, which is usually you'll try to hold them accountable for something. Um, you'll try to talk to them about like, cause you're, you'll start to see red flags. You'll start to see things that they're doing and you want to hold them accountable for something. Well, that level, that accountability to the narcissist says, you're not who I thought you were. You're not perfect because they believe that we too are perfect. Right. And then this puts us into what's called devaluing stage where the narcissist starts to manipulate. Well, they've been manipulating since the beginning, but they they gaslight you. They withhold affection as punishment. Um, they become very critical. They become very controlling. Everything is always your fault. Nothing is ever, um, nothing you can do right. You start to wonder, um, am I ever going to be good enough for you? You start to feel worthless about yourself because the narcissist, once they've discovered that flaw and that you're not perfect, they need to tear you down so that that will build themselves up so that they can carry that image and that facade to the outside world and it will hold existence. So they will continue to use you to make themselves feel either bad or good. And eventually a narcissist, they can't live in that space and they're always searching for a new form of supply that can make them feel perfect. So a narcissist will discard you usually when they found a new source of supply that is looking at them as, the, as perfect like you were in the beginning when they presented themselves as the love bomber. And the cycle continues. And the cycle continues. And that same cycle continue, can continue it within the relationship. Um, you know, they can yeah. love bomb you, devalue you, discard you, um, come back, and that can continue over and over again. Um, yeah, but they emotionally discard you the second that that quote-unquote flaw is discovered. And one thing I always try to clear up for the loved ones that are trying to support the person going through this is that, you know, a lot of times you'll hear, hear people say, well, something very bad must have happened to them. And, you know, I feel for them, but I, you know, I don't want you to be with them. Like they can see both sides of it, but they're, is a reason why feeling compassion for the narcissist is dangerous, right, Michelle? Absolutely. You know, feeling compassion for the narcissist is what got most of us in this position in the first place. Um, speaking for me, being a codependent in recovery, I put other people's feelings and needs before my own. So I always, and, and the narcissist loves that because when we connected, um, they want to connect off of finding out your trauma. So eventually they can use that against you. And so here we are and the narcissist slowly, slowly makes everything, um, makes us believe that everything is about, is our fault and that we have all of these quote unquote issues because of our trauma. And we're trying to love this person out of their trauma 
you know, we're making excuses during cognitive dissonance saying, well, they had all this trauma and they did all of this and, you know, they're having all of these problems. And we absolutely need to turn our frame of thinking around when we're um, trying to go no contact and remain free of the narcissist because their pain can never be greater than the pain that we are suffering. Yeah, good point. Um, that will make someone backslide. And I, you know, I've seen it in my clients so many times. And I think it's hard for people who are not narcissists or don't have any of those symptoms or ways of thinking to believe that someone could really this evil or this harmful you know if you don't if you've never experienced narcissistic abuse you won't know I mean I've watched videos or and documentaries of people that have gotten into cults you know Jonestown and Waco right. and I used to say to myself how did these people drink the Kool-Aid and going through this experience has taught me empathy and understanding of how someone can get into this experience. So, I mean, it's a very diabolical um, form of abuse, um, insidious to call it the, yeah. the least. And um, if you don't know, then you don't know. And all family members can do is try to have compassion for the person suffering um, from, the, from, from psychological torture. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it's, I think you hit on this. It's important to understand that it's incremental also. Like it's spoon fed to you almost little by little. Like it's not like they wake up one day and they're a raging narcissist after being nice and charming and putting you on a pedestal. Like it's, they give you a little bit, pull it back. Like you said, the cycle, love bombing, devaluing, love bombing, devaluing. And I think it, what I've seen is that it increases in intensity until it can't be sustained. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, what do they say? The, the slow frog boil. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that is the cult technique as well. Um, it's hard to see when you're in the middle of it, like going back to the tsunami example, like it's, it's hard to see the full picture when you're in the middle of it and you're seeing it occur and you're living it. It's, it's hard to believe and it happens little by little. And I think when the narcissist sees you, in the beginning or middle, maybe not certainly in the end, but in the beginning or middle, they see you questioning it or distancing. And so they'll dial up the love bombing and then you're mm -hmm. back in. Mm -hmm. And over time, you know, it takes, they have to do less and less for the love bombing because the, the intermittent reinforcement um, addiction is one of the strongest addictions there is. Um, so, right. you know, we are just craving that dopamine. We are just craving and, you know, it can get down to the point where 
you know, the narcissist can go two weeks without speaking to you. You're left feeling like it was your fault. You're hoping they'll talk to you. You're, you're wanting to fix it with them. You're constantly focused on them. You feel terrible about yourself. You can't focus at work. You know, you're, you're feeling horrible about yourself. And then the narcissist walks in and chooses to say hello to you to that, to, to you to that day. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like you've had the best day you've ever had. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a horrible cycle to live. You know, I went from meeting my soulmate to um, living with my cellmate. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. So can you talk more about the work that you do with clients, Michelle, and why someone would come to you? Um, absolutely. Um, so I... What I do is I, I custom fit it according to whatever the client needs. And what I do is I, have, I ask a few questions and I w I'll give you clarity if you were living in a narcissistic relationship and you have questions and wondering why the narcissist did what they did, kind of get the idea of what's happening in your situation um, or do you need clarity, are they a narcissist? Um, or if you're struggling to maintain no contact, if you're struggling to stay free, if you're struggling with the thoughts of, was this all of my fault? Um, am I to blame? Were they really a good person? Did I mess up a good thing? I can, we can have discussions and I'll ask you questions. I'll give you some clarity on, from an outsider's perspective to make you think and answer your own questions on whether you truly believe that it should be your fault, um, that you are to blame, that this was not a good person. Um, and I'll give you um, resources and tools to be able to stay and remain no contact. Um, things that I've done, um, you know, individualized plans according to your situation and where you're at in no contact or healing from narcissistic abuse. Um, and then sometimes, you know, if it's the next step where you've recovered through the trauma bond, but now you kind of need to know where do you go next? Like what parts of you do you need to work on to, to, so that you never get there again? Because the first question I asked my therapist 19 months ago was, what did I do to get here? And what do I need to do to never return? Because I never wanted to feel like this ever again. Of course. Yeah. Do you get any clients who want to stay in their relationship and do? Mm. <laughs> no. no. Um, yeah, no. I mean, I have clients that are struggling to stay free or to leave because okay. here's the thing, you know, not everybody, you know, um, narcissists are they love to financially destroy you right they, yes. they'll financially abuse you the one i was married to wanted me to quit my job and and subconsciously i was like he wants me to be financially dependent on him so right. that i don't have a way out you know and yeah. um so you know there are you know if you've been married to a narcissist for 30 years and he was the breadwinner you can't leave um, then you do have to figure out a way to um, survive for yourself psychologically in that relationship, right? And then it would be learning gray rocking, working on yourself, trying to find a side job, trying to find out another means 
um, because they're very difficult people to live with. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people describe it as like soul sucking. Like you feel empty inside. You feel like all the parts of yourself have been removed, really. Absolutely. A shell of myself is how I described myself. Yeah, and that, I mean, yeah, I don't see clients either that can sustain that long term and be any type of healthy. I mean, the alternatives are to self-medicate with a substance, which you eventually go downhill to the point of not surviving or functioning, right? If you stay with a narcissistic person or your mental health is so poor that you can't maintain your life either and um that's that's not necessary I think you mentioned at the beginning like there there is life outside of this there there is a way to move on and be happy and find yourself again but when you're in it you I I believe you don't you can't see that there's life out of this. You can't see that you would be happy without this person or without this relationship. And, and really, and that exactly right there is um, the narcissist uh, MO. That is exactly what they want to do. You know, they, they don't possess or carry qualities about themselves that have a love for life or re relatability to people. Um, inner joy, inner peace, inner happiness. And they see that you have it and they want to take all of it from you. They don't want you to have any of it. Um, Misery Loves Company, I believe, was written because of a narcissist. You yes. Know? Yes. And, and, you know, they, yeah, they want to take it all from you. And if you can't see any light and all you're doing while you're in the relationship is hoping that um, wondering when they're going to change. Where did, where did your, um, soulmate go? Yeah. And I know one of the hardest parts people mention also is, you know, you have this view of, well, this person is so miserable or so unable to have a healthy relationship that they're going to end up alone. And when you don't see them alone, when you see them happy with someone else, it's extremely painful. I'm sure you have a lot to say on that, but um, I was just going to say, you know, it's not, it's, it's a cycle for that person too, unfortunately. It's very tragic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you have to, we have to validate our truth and our experience. If we know, if we have the realization that they're a narcissist, our truth is that, is that they are who they are because that's who they are. And they repeat this relationship cycle always and forever until they, until they don't get supply anymore. So we just have to stay close in our truth of telling ourselves our truth whenever we want to get stuck thinking because at the end of the day, there's 8 billion people on the planet and there's not one single person out of those 8 billion people that is worth feeling that you're not good enough for. So true. Yes, I completely agree. 
And I really thank you, Michelle, for sharing all your information today. I think this can help so many people and um, answer so many questions. And I know people that your TikToks have gotten them through some of the hardest parts and the darkest moments. So, you know, if you're listening and you're not ready to reach out to Michelle, although I think that you should, keep watching her TikToks, keep replaying the videos. If one resonates with you, if that's what you're struggling with that day, listen to it 25 times. But I will be posting information on where you where you can find Michelle besides TikTok and how you can get in contact with her and work with her because having someone on your team and to help walk you through this process where I think you are the most vulnerable that you ever could be in life is invaluable. Absolutely. Perfectly said, Katie. Thank you. Yes. yes. And, uh, you know, please just don't do it alone. Surround yourself with people. Surround yourself. If you, if you don't want to do a one-on-one -on -one session, you know, just surround yourself in community of people who understand exactly what you're going through. That's where I started and you need to be validated by others to enable in order for you to be able to validate yourself. Yes, that is true too. And having other people see your worth and see the good things about you and enjoy spending time with you can feel wonderful. Not only to have that support, but to undo part of what the narcissist has gotten you to believe, which is you know, people don't want to be around you. You should just stick with me. You should just stay home. You know, they're ploys to keep you isolated. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Push, yeah. Push back against that. Um, and something else I wanted to mention real quick before we wrap up that I heard you say on one of your videos, Michelle, and I've heard be a common theme and I'm hoping this resonates with a lot of people, is the narcissist getting you to move with them. So you are in a location that you're not familiar with. You have to reestablish yourself. And maybe it's one that they're already acclimated in or maybe not. But that definitely helps with the isolation. Is that a common thread that you see, Michelle? Oh, absolutely. And uh, don't don't make my mistake. <laughs> yeah, I, I left everything behind and moved. And literally the day I moved in, um, his mask came off and he, I, I saw the true version of him. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, just be careful, you know, get to know someone's character over time. Um, don't yeah. isolate yourself, you know, we, and we self-isolate, we self-isolate because of shame. You know, I left everything behind for my quote unquote soulmate. And, um, I was too ashamed to tell people what was really happening in the relationship. Right. Yeah. Well, you're certainly not the only one I've heard that story about moving Michelle and about, um, you know, how that makes you feel more isolated and that's when they let their true selves come out. So mm -hmm. it's not just you, it's, uh, I've heard it from many other people. Um, but we will wrap up here today. And if you would like more information, please reach out to Michelle, please follow her and listen to her videos. So thank you once more to Michelle for being here and thank you to all of our listeners. 
Is there anything you wanted to add, Michelle, before we wrap up? No, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. Yeah, of course. Thank you for joining me today on Obstacles Under the Surface. I am your host, Katie Wenger. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation and the information provided by Michelle, who is a coach specializing in encouraging and motivating survivors of narcissistic abuse to thrive post-abuse. You can find more information that she provides and her inspirational videos on TikTok and on Instagram at Michelle Secret One. And you can reach out to her on her Calendly link to schedule a coaching session or to ask questions and be able to work with Michelle to help you get past this difficult point in your life. Wishing you a peaceful day always.